Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalam ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man iqtada bi sunnatihi ila yawmidini amma ba'd. So we start, Barakallahu Fikum, seeking aid from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our second book, and that is the Kitab al-Tahara, the book of purification. Kitab al-Tahara, dealing with the rulings and narrations and ahadith pertaining to purification in general. Regarding this, we will deal with a few points. The first point is the definition of a tahara, or the definition of kitab al-tahara. We studied the definition of kitab previously in kitab al-siyam. And that we said that kitab is when you gather, from the linguistic meaning is that kitab is gathering something in one place. And here, kitab, meaning a book, is called a kitab because you gather words, sentences, and paragraphs and put it together. So kitab is putting something together. Like the Arabs will say, hisan, that we put the horses together and tie them in one place. So likewise, kitab is where you put words and sentences in one place. And this is called kitab al-tahara, which means it's gathering all of the ahadith and all of the narrations pertaining to tahara purification in one place. The second issue is that we deal with the definition of tahara, the meaning of tahara linguistically. Tahara, it means nadhafa, cleanliness. Linguistically, it means general cleanliness. As for its meaning, as it relates to the shara or istilah, that is irtifa'ul hadathi wa zawalun najasi. Irtifa'ul hadathi wa zawal and najasi. Lifting al hadath. Lifting al hadath. Removing that al-hadath. That's the meaning of it according to the Quran and Sunnah. Al-hadath is a state that the body is in that prevents it from praying or anything. Purification is a condition for it. So al-hadath, I cannot find an English word for al-hadath. But that which it is basically is that thing which prevents one from praying that thing that is present in the body that prevents one from praying or anything that purification is a condition for so the meaning of tahara is removing that hadith removing that state where you are unable to pray whether it's hadith al-azgar or hadith al-akbar whether it's when you've gone to the toilet so now you you go to the toilet you're in a state in which, barakallahu uh, fikum, you cannot pray, so you need to lift that state away from you with purification. That's what irtifa'ul hadath means. Wazawal and najis. Wazawal and najis. And that's removing impurities. Removing impurities. Things that are najis, removing that. So the definition is irtifa'ul hadath was zawal al-najis. That's removing that state that you're in, that you cannot pray, and also removing, barakallahu fikum, impurities. All of this is coupled in the meaning of 
At-Tahara purification as it relates to the book and the Sunnah. Meaning that if you go to the Sunnah or you go go to the Sihah, the books of Sahih and the books of Hadith and you see Kitab At-Tahara, you know that it's a, hadith, a book or chapter gathering narrations, Barakallahu Fikum, pertaining to those things that or the action or the the process of removing the state in which one cannot pray, the hadith, or removing impurities. This is the meaning of tahara. It's not just having a shower. No, this is something, this is ibadah. This is worship. And that's irtifa' al-hadith, removing that state in which you are in where you can't pray, and also removing impurities from various places. Whether it's on your clothes, whether it's on the place where you need to pray, and so forth. Point number three, and that is the different meanings of purification. And that is that it's used figuratively, ma'nawiyan, wa, hissiyan, and literally. At-tahara al-hissiyya, that purification that is literal, is as we've mentioned. When you're doing wudu, you're removing that state in which you cannot pray. And likewise, if there is filth, impurities in certain area or areas, you clean it and wash it and purify it. This is purification, literal purification. And the second is tahara al-ma'nawiyya. And that is the non-literal purification, if you can say. And that is taharatul aqidah wal akhlaq. And that is purifying your creed, which is what we've done, barakallahu feekum, in the first lesson. Purifying one's creed and their aqidah and their belief and their character and their actions. Purifying one's actions from bid'ah and sticking to the sunnah. Purifying one's character and manners from that character that is unpleasant to the character that has been legislated from the example of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And from that the message is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Innamal Mushrikun Najis That verily the polytheists, the idol worshippers are Najis. They are impure. It doesn't mean that if you, it's not literal impurity, meaning physical impurity rather. I like the word physical impurity. Meaning that if they touch you, you have to do wudu. No. It's the spiritual impurity. It means that they are themselves are impure due to their aqidah, due to their creed. It doesn't mean that you touch them, you have to make wudu. No. We mean the ma'nawi. Meaning they are impure due to the corruption of their heart. The corruption of shirk in their hearts and associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worshipping idols. Look, the Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Verily, the polytheists are najis, are impure. And he's mentioned them, the mushrikun. Innamal mushrikun. Verily, the, those idol worshippers are impure due to their not having purification in their aqidah, in their creed. And not purifying their actions from bid'ah and shirk and so forth. And from that is a statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
ونجيناه من القرية التي كانت تعمل الخبائث and we saved him from the village that used to do khabaith they said their actions they used to do impure actions their actions were not purified meaning they disobeyed allah they disobeyed allah this is the meaning taharat al-ma'nawin but the meaning that we're dealing with barakallahu fikum here is the physical impurity or the purification the physical purification physical purification a tahara and that is no doubt, as we said, irtifa'ul hadathi wa zawal najasi. And that is lifting that state in which you cannot pray and you cannot do certain things that is conditional that you have to have purification. Lifting that state away from us. How do we do this? What are the rulings pertaining to this? This is tahara. This is what we're studying. And this is when the ulama of fiqh, they're making kitab tahara. That's what they mean. Point number four. And that is why... Why did the ulama start of Kitab al-Tahara? Ibn Mulaqin rahimullah ta'ala, he says, وَبَدَأَ الْمُصَنَّفِ أو مصنف بَدَأَ الْمُصَنِّفِ بِكِتَابِ الْتَهَارَ لِأَنَّهُ أَشْرَفُ أَرْكَانَ الدِّينِ بَعْدَ الشَّهَادَتَيْنِ الصَّلَاةِ why did he start with the book of purification? And you find this is common in a lot of books of hadith that they start with Kitab al-Tahara, book of purification. Why? Why did they do this? He said, Rahimullah, that they began, and the author began with the Kitab al-Tahara, the book of purification, because it is the most noble pillar of the religion it's the most noble pillar of the religion after the shahadatain, meaning the salah. Meaning that it is a major pillar of salah, a major entity of salah, of the prayer, which is the salah, the prayer, is the most noble act or thing after the shahada, after the shahada in the pillars of Islam. So the, from after shahada and la ilaha illallah wa ala muhammad rasulullah, it's Salah, it's the Rukun, it's the pillar of Salah. And the Tahara is the pinnacle of this Salah. Meaning that if you don't have this purification, you cannot pray. So therefore it's befitting to start off with Kitab al-Tahara. And that's why the ulama, they mentioned Kitab al-Tahara, Barakalafikum, in the beginning of their books. Not all of them, majority of them. And from them is here the Sahib Umdat al-Ahkam. And likewise, some of the ulama have said that from the reasons also they start with tahara in their books is tadhakkurul muta'allim and that is to remind the student of knowledge, the person that is studying, that they have to purify their heart. That's what they start with kitab tahara that in your seeking of knowledge, you have to purify your heart in the beginning. Meaning purify your intention. In purifying one's intentions in seeking knowledge. That you seek the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And the hereafter. So it's befitting that we start with Kitab al-Tahara to remind us. To purify our intentions and purify our niyyah, 
our objectives, our aims in seeking Allah's face subhanahu wa ta'ala and the hereafter. Barakallahu fikum. Kitab tahara After this point number five, and this is all introduction before we get into the hadith. The first hadith of Umrah al-Ahkam. And that is a major part of Barakallahu fikum of Tahara is knowing what water is. What is water? Or what are the categories of water? What are the categories of water? It's a huge discussion as it relates to the, uh, this affair from the ulama, between the ulama. But its importance cannot be doubted in that we need water for purification. So therefore we have to have knowledge on what is actually water, which is why you have Kitab al and chapters pertaining to al-miyah, which is the plural of water. In Arabic language, there's plural water, but in English there isn't. Miyah. So we have to know the different categories. What are the different types of water? Some of the ulama have said that the different types of water are three. Al-miyahu thalathatun. Al-miyahu or al-miyahu thalathatun. That water is of three categories. The first category is tahur. Tahur with fatha and ta. Tahur. This is the first type of water. And the meaning of a tahur, as you can remember, it has fatha on the top. Ta. Which means it's that which is used to purify. Meaning water. Tahur. You remember sahur? we done sahur. Sahur with fatha is that food that is eaten in suhoor. So tahur with ta, fatha and ta is that water or that thing that is used to purify. Like water. Tahur. And that is the first type of water. And some of the ulama have said, Tahirun fi nafsihi mutahirun li ghayrihi. Some of the ulama have mentioned, they've said that it is pure in itself and purifies others. So the water is in itself pure and purifies others. And this is tahur with fatha. And <clears throat> the second category, barakallahu fikum, is... Tahir. So we have Tahir with Fatha. Some of the ulama have said it's Tahir. And Tahir is pure. Tahirun fi nafsihi ghayr mutahirun or ghayr mutahirin li ghayri. And that is, as the ulama generally have said, that it is pure in itself. But it cannot purify others or other things. So the first category is tahur. And we said that it's pure in itself and purifies other things. And that is the first category of water. An example of that meaning, hot water is, is, is part of tahur. Boiled water is part of tahur. 
the water that we have in, in, your, in your taps is tahor, it's pure in itself and purifies others. But as for tahir, they say that this is indeed pure in itself but doesn't purify others. An example of this is tea. Tea, they say, is a type of water. Orange juice, type of water. Pineapple juice, type of water. Pepsi, type of water. According to some of the ulama. So it's pure in itself, but it cannot, you cannot use tea for wudu. And you cannot use Pepsi to do wudu. After you've reflected on this, Ya Ibad Allah, we'll come to another discussion, inshallah. But let's move on to the third category of water. And that is the najis, najis, the impure water. And that is, it's impure in itself and cannot purify others. So then after that we reflect there about Allah, we have these three categories according to some of the opinion of scholars. They say that it's three. But we have another opinion. And that is that they say, in fact, water is of two categories. Water is of two categories. They say that the first category is tahur, which is that barakallahu fikum is uh, pure in itself and purifies as well. Like rain, the sea, the ocean, the river, the lakes. That's the first category. And the, th- the next category, they say, is this najis, impure. So you either have water that is pure and purifies as well, and water that is impure and does not purify. But as for the third category that they mentioned, which is tahir before, this is not water in itself. It's now Pepsi, they say. Orange is not water anymore, it's orange juice. Tea was water initially, but once you put the tea bag, it's now tea. Coffee, it was water before. You put the coffee beans, now it's coffee. So they say this is not part of the categories of water. And this Allah Alam is the strongest opinion. And that is water is of two categories. And this is the strongest opinion. opinion. Because once... The tea bag goes in, or the coffee beans go in, or the, the, hot, the chocolate powder goes in, or the syrup goes in, it turns to something else. So it's not considered water. But everything is made out of water. So this is just a category from those affairs that is made out of water, but is now being changed from being water to something else. And this barakallahu fikum is Allah alam the strongest opinion. And the reason why I'm, we're dealing with this introduction is when we get into the aspect of wudu and so forth, it's nice and important that we have this introduction. And the foundations as it relates to tahara and purification. Barakallahu fikum. And that is that, that which we use to purify is the tahur. That water that is indeed pure in itself 
and purifies others. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَيُنَزِّلُ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً لِيُطَّهِّرَكُمْ بِهِ As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Anfal, and He has brought from the, 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 the sky water so you can be purified. So you can be purified with it. And the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned in a hadith, which is in the Sunan of Abi Dawood, and also the Sunan of Nisa'i and Tirmidhi, where the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was asked regarding the sea water. He said, Huwa Tahur, Huwa Tahur, Bil Fatha, Huwa Tahur, Ma'uhu, Al Hillu, Maytatuhu. Where he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, regarding water, he said, in the sea, he said, it's tahur. And what does tahur mean? It means it purifies. It's that water that is pure in itself and purifies as well. And it purifies other things. Al-hillu maytatu. And that which is found in the sea is halal. And this is a beautiful hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from his Blessings that Allah has given him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, of the ability to speak in a succinct way with vast meaning, and that is that he says that the water is pure, and it purifies, and that which is in the sea is halal, which is why fish is halal. That which is in the sea is halal, and he was asked about the water and purifying, and then he added extra knowledge, benefit to the questioner by saying that you can also eat that which is in the sea. Al-Muhim al-Tahur. So when we're talking about Tahara, we have to have the knowledge of what is water. And in Umdat al-Hakam, he doesn't actually deal with this in detail. But it's important that we, Barakallahu Fikum, as students of knowledge, that we are acquainted with this issue. <coughs> as this indeed will help us understand future issues pertaining to the purification. After this Barakallahu Fikum, we look at the first hadith. That he mentions, rahimullah, in this kitab al-Tahara, the book of purification, yani the, the hadith and the narrations, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam dealing with the affair of purification. He mentions the hadith al-awwal, the first hadith. And that's an Umar ibn Khattab, radiyallahu ta'ala an, qala samiyatu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, يقول إنما الأعمال بالنيات وفي الرواية بالنية وإنما لكل امرئ ما نوى فمن كانت هجرته إلى الله ورسوله فهجرته إلى الله ورسوله ومن كانت هجرته للدنيا يصيبها وامرأة يتزوجها أو في رواية ينكحها فهجرته إلى ما هاجر إليه Rahul Bukhari Muslim. And that is that he said, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'an, he said, I heard the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, verily, actions are by intentions. Or in a narration, actions are by intention. 
and for every individual is that which they intended for. فَمَنْ كَانَ شِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ So the one who migrates for Allah and his messenger. فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ His migration is for Allah and his messenger. وَمَنْ كَانَ شِجْرَتُهُ لِلدُّنْيَا يُصِيبُهَا Whoever's migration or immigrates for worldly affair to attain it. وَإِمْرَأَةٍ يَتَزَوَّجُهَا Or a woman to marry her. فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى مَا هَجَرَ إِلَيْهِ And his migration is for that which he has migrated for. And this here is the first hadith, barakallahu feekum, that is mentioned in Umdat Ahkam Kitab al-Tahara. And like, as we do, we'll deal with a few points as it relates to this hadith. The first point that we're going to deal with is the rawi. is the narrator, the biography of the narrator of this hadith. And that is Umar ibn Khattab, Amir al-Mu'mineen, rahimullah. رضي الله تعالى عنه وراحهم الله كذلك عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله تعالى عنه was the second khalifa after Abu Bakr al-Siddiq رضي الله عنه and he was from a noble tribe the noble tribe of Quraysh the same tribe as the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم and he embraced Islam five or six years uh, in the fifth or the sixth year after the messengership of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam the fifth or sixth year after the messengership of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he was an individual who was respected radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and his Islam brought Izzah, strength to the Muslims. And after Abu Bakr al-Siddiq died, Umm ibn Khattab took the reins of, khil- of the Khilafah. And he died, Rahimullah, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. And he was murdered. In the 23rd year after the migration of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And a fire worshipper who was captured during the battles, a Majusi, he was the one that killed him and he stabbed him whilst he was praying. Radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. And he made a dua previously, Umar ibn Khattab, that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make him die as a martyr and die in Medina to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Medina. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him that blessing. He was stabbed while he was leading prayer. Radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. And the fire worshipper stabbed him. And there was blood everywhere. But he continued his salah to the best of his ability. Which is where the ulama have taken the fiqh that blood, if it flows or there is blood, it does not negate your salah. 
that's taken also from this benefit from this uh of the death of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu So now he died radiallahu ta'ala in the year 23 after the migration of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Point number two. Point number two is the Mawdu al-Hadith. And that is the title that we can give to this Hadith. Again, relating it to the Kitab al-Tahara. And the title that we can give to this Hadith, Barakallahu Feekum, is Bayan Manzilat al-Niyya min al-A'mal. Bayan Manzilat al-Niyya min al-A'mal. And that is Barakallahu Feekum. The status and clarifying the status of the niya, the intention as it relates to our actions which is why the ulama have placed this hadith as the first hadith in many of their books because it shows its status as it relates to other actions afterwards And this hadith, Barakallahu Feekum, has been placed in many books of hadith. Imam al-Bukhari mentions this hadith seven times in his Sahih. Imam al-Bukhari, in Sahih al-Bukhari, mentions this hadith seven times due to its importance. Imam Muslim, he mentions it in his Sahih once. In the Sunan al-Sughra of a Nasai, the Sunan of a Nasai al-Sughra, he mentions this hadith three times. Ibn Majah mentions it once. Ibn Majah mentions it once. Imam Ahmed in his Musnad mentions it once. And likewise, Imam Tirmidhi, rahimahullah, So we find that the ulama have mentioned this hadith frequently. Due to its importance as it relates to all of the ibadat, which is why it's mentioned here as the first hadith. And all of these are imma scholars that are mentioned in their books of hadith, with their own specific chains come back to this one chain that we're going to mention now of narrations. And that is Yahya ibn Sa'id al-Ansari. Yahya ibn Sa'id al-Ansari who said that it was narrated to him from Muhammad ibn Ibrahim al-Taymi who said that it was narrated to him from Al-Qama Ibn Waqqas Al-Layfi Al-Qama Ibn Waqqas Al-Layfi Who said that it was, he heard Umar Ibn Khattab say 
he heard from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this hadith from Yahya ibn Sa'id and Muhammad ibn Ibrahim and Al-Qama ibn Waqas Al-Layfi and Umar ibn Khattab. This chain of narration, Barakallahu Feekum, is the heart of this hadith which is mentioned by various scholars. And the benefit of this chain of narration, the lata'if and fruits of this narration here, this chain, is apart from Umar ibn Khattab, of course, all of the narrations are from the second generation. All of the narrators are from the second generation. From Yahya ibn Sa'id, who's from the younger second generation Tabi'i, and Muhammad ibn Ibrahim, and Alqam. And all of them were from Medina. They're narrators from Medina. So, this Isnad, this chain is famous. Due to these jewels that we find in this chain. That they're all from the same type of, all from the same generation. And they were the only ones that narrated it in their own stages of the Isnad. Meaning that Yahya was the only one who heard it. From Muhammad Ibrahim. And Muhammad Ibrahim was the only one who heard it. From Al-Qamah. And Al-Qamah was the only one who heard it. But before Yahya. After Yahya. There were many narrators. But from Yahya all the way to. Umar ibn Khattab. It's called Khabr Ahad. A single narrator. Narrating each stage of this isnad. Which is from the Lataif and the jewels of this Isnad. And they're all from Medina. All of them from Medina. Took knowledge from Medina. Now. And Umar ibn Khattab died in Medina. So this Isnad is Medani. This chain of narration are from narrators, from the, the, the scholars of the Salaf to the Sahabi from Medina. So the ulama that places famous hadith in their chapters pertaining to Tahara because it's indeed the origin of all actions. After this we deal with some benefits from this hadith. The first benefit, it shows the ahamiya and the importance of the intentions and niyyah as it relates to one's actions. Second is Barakallahu Fikum that the action the, the intentions are important as it relates to the actions from various angles. The first angle is Tamizu Ibadat And that is that with the intention it distinguishes between the actions and different acts of worship, meaning, as we're dealing with the bab of tahara and purification and wudu and so forth, let's say somebody is a hot day. It's a hot day, and then somebody goes to the bathroom, and then they do the actions of wudu, but they're doing it to stay cool, to cool down. They're not doing it so they can get be in a state of 
tahara so they could remove the hadith or be prepared to pray or or ma'aladalik or yatuf or make tawaf no just so they can cool down on a hot day for every individual is that which he intends so you intended just to cool down then that's what your intentions will provide you and that's what your your actions will be based upon you cannot pray if you, are, if you don't have initial wudu and you go and do all of that without the correct intentions and you pray, your salah is invalid. The wudu, the, 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 wudu, the wudu has to be done with the niyyah of wudu. The intention of purifying yourself. Showing the importance of this hadith. Another example, somebody is junub. And they're in the state of that... Uh, uh, ritual impurity, major ritual impurity, and then they go to the ocean or the sea or the river or what have you, and then they dive in, and then they dive in, and then they come back out. So, this person's done it to have fun, to enjoy the ocean. This person's jumped into the sea for pleasure or swimming for pleasure. But then another individual jumps into the sea and dives into this, the lake or what have you in order to do ghusl. Their intention is to do ghusl. And when they both come out of the lake, water, what have you, the one who done it for fun has had his fun and that's what his intention For every individual is that which they intended. But as for the one who done it to do ghusl, they're now in a state, Barakallahu fikum. Of purity, so now they can pray and so forth. So showing the importance of this affair of near intention and the importance of this hadith. And the second is the distinct or the, the distinction between the one who has done it for Allah and the one who has done it for other than Allah. And this is ikhlas. Another meaning taken from this hadith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wa'abdullah mukhlisan lahudi. Worship Allah sincerely for his religion. Wa may umiru illa liya'budullah mukhlisina lahudin. That they have not been commanded except to worship Allah sincerely alone for his religion. This is ikhlas. And that is taken from this hadith. Wa inna ma likullim ma nawa. For every individual is that which they intended. If they intended it for Allah, then it is, and it's according to the Sunnah, then therefore the reward is with Allah. But if, it, if it's done for other than Allah, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, that, and we bring forth that which they do from action, and we made it into scattered dust. Haba'an manthur. Turned into scattered dust. Wasted time. Because it was done for other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was not based upon ikhlas. And for that individual is that which they intended. So from this hadith is a benefit like that as well. And from the benefits of this hadith. 
is warning against seeking and having intention just for the dunya and worldly affairs. And the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned a noble act here, and that's the act of hijrah, migration. The individual corrupts this worship by seeking the worldly affair. Traveling for marriage or traveling for business and migrating for that reason, then that is all they will receive in marriage and that dunya worldly affair. So he's warning us here in the Prophet that our intentions has to be pure and not seeking the worldly affairs. And in this it shows the lowliness of the lowliness of seeking the dunya. In that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he mentioned in the hadith فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Whoever migrates for Allah and His Messenger, then His migration is for Allah and His Messenger. But then He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, وَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ لِلْدُنْيَا يُسِبُهَا وَإِمْرَأَةِ يَنْ تَزَوَّجُهَا وَيَنْكِئُهَا فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى مَا هَجْرَ That's for the one who migrates for the worldly affairs or to marry a woman. فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى مَا هَجْرَ إِلَيْهِ His intentions is for whatever, his migrations for whatever. Not worth mentioning. It's not worth mentioning migration for the, for the marriage or migration, migration for worldly affair. He says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى مَا هَجْرَ إِلَيْهِ His migration is for what he migrated for. But when it was for Allah and His Messenger, so whoever's migration is for Allah and His Messenger, then His migration is for Allah and His Messenger. Repeated it. But as for that which is done for the worldly affair and the dunya, so His migration is for whatever, whatever He migrated for. Not important, not worth mentioning. And that is from the virtues of this hadith. And from the benefits of this hadith is that At-Tahara is min al-A'mal. And that is that we must remember that purification is from the actions. Which is why the Shaykh mentions this hadith in this uh, chapter. This book of, hadith, this book of uh, Tahara. And that is that فَلَتَكُونْ إِلَّا بِالنِّيَّةِ and it is not accept, accomplished except with intention. And this no doubt is a refutation against the opinion of the Ahnaf that wudu is not ibadah. They say that wudu is not ibadah, it's not worship. They say you don't need niyyah. You don't need intention. But this hadith clearly states the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Verily, actions are by intention. And no doubt, doing wudu is an action. And tahara is action. So therefore, it's with intention. And it is worship. And it's ibadah to mahdah. It's pure worship. So from the proofs of this hadith, barakallahu feekum, the benefits here is indeed that... Um, 
purification is from the amal and it cannot be established except with niyyah, except with intention for ibadah. The final benefit that we're going to take from this hadith is the husnul ta'lim of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The excellent teaching of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he mentions the usul wal qawaid. He mentions the principle and then he explains the principle with an example. He mentioned the principle where he said, The qaida, principle. The actions are by intentions, and for every individual is that which they intended. This is a qaida, this is a usul, this is the fundamental. And then he, from his, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, husn ta'aleem, his exemplary teaching methods and technique, he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then brought an example of this. By saying for men can at hijrah, we brought the example of hijrah migration, which is from the noble acts. For men can at hijrah to Allah or Rasulif hijrah to Allah. So then he brought the example of migrating for Allah and His Messenger. And migrating for the Messenger here it means according to the Sunnah. And migrating for Allah uh, for Allah. Is ikhlas. So in this hadith, barakallahu fikum, the Messenger sallallahu brought an example for us to understand two states that people can be in as it relates to their intentions, seeking Allah's face, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and in accordance with the sunnah, and the second being for the worldly affairs. And from his وسلم, wisdom is that he mentioned two affairs which are very which are placed high in the, in the affairs of this world, and that is marrying and wealth. And he mentioned these as an example. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this shows the Husn Ta'leem and the excellent teaching of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And uh, with this, Barakallah Fikum. We'll conclude. هذا والله أعلم وأحكم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين.